Wow. I won this. Boy, what an amazing thing. Because that's all I've been thinking about this morning. And there's, there's no one like him. There's not another one like our precious Savior. There's no greater definition. There's no greater revelation. There's no greater manifestation than God through his Son to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. As I was driving here, driving over here, and and my thoughts were, in my own personal life, I have what sometimes people call their ups and downs. I have my struggles. I have my failures. I sin, and, and God forbids it, you know, that because we don't have to in First John 2, 1 and 2, but I'm thankful that we have an advocate. I'm thankful that I have an advocate, and he is Jesus Christ the righteous. And he's the propitiation for us, for our sins, and potentially also for the world. But the enemy, when we don't, and and I think I've said this before, and Mike and I, I believe we've talked about this before, but uh, loving chastisement uh, for me is... uh, And and it's not that God withdraws himself from us. He he just can't, he can't fellowship with us. And what that means is he can't fellowship and get and and cause us to experience the intimacy of his love for us. And so for me, that is is something that, that, that uh, I just can't, I cannot do without. And of course, and that's when the enemy can come in, you know, when we fail and we all have our ups and downs. We all have our struggles and and uh, all of these different things that, that we go through in this, in this, in the midst of this conflict. But, but because of his love, it always causes progress and growth in us in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. But again, the enemy, when I don't experience when I'm not experiencing his love, or when I trade it, in one sense, for something else, and whether that be ignorantly or rebelliously or stubbornly through stubborn pride or just through ignorance, it, his love still never condemns us. It, it, it never, ever. I mean, I may fail, and I have, and I may sin, God forbids it, and I have. But one thing I know, and what he's making very clear to me, even when I, even when that is my experience, he still, according to Romans eight one, in Romans eight thirty one to thirty nine, he never condemns me, accuses me, or causes me to be guilty, ever. And what a tremendous thing I was experiencing. I was just experiencing that as I learn, and I grow, and this desire. And God had such a desire. God is so loved, it says in John 3, 16. He had such a desire. He just, because of who he is, he just had to love, but to do it. Obviously, he had to be propitiated, and which is the burnt offering that we know about. And Leviticus, the first chapter, and going into all those other sacrifices that make up the very nature, character, and essence of God. And 
Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, and we learn about these things, but just to learn, and we're learning right now, we're learning about this love that he loves us with. What is God like? There's nobody like him, though. And that's why it says in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, in verse 16, that God is love. God is love. And for us to experience that, the Son, who is the very light, the very fullness of that love, had to come out, never leaving the bosom of the Father, never leaving the, the closest place of intimacy. The Greek word there is kolpon, K-O-L-P-O-N. He never left that, yet he abided and he, he became and he was made, it says he was made flesh. And then he dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. And he still does so. He dwells among us. And then we see, we see uh, that he is so filled up with all the grace and truth of that love that he brought out as the light. And he just, he lights us up. And when he does, he lights us up with the intimacy of his love. And when he does, it just dispels the darkness, the fear, the, the fear, the suspicion, the doubt. Uh, it does away with any thinking that's not of himself uh, as we grow experientially. That is, and as Mike has said, Mike said, and I, I thought instantly, I'm, I'm on the way over here, and just, just God breaking me with his love, just there's nobody like him. He is he is utterly irreplaceable, and yet he's placed himself through his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's placed us, he's placed us, transliterated us into the son of his love in Colossians 1 verse 13. That's why it says in Colossians 1 12, he has qualified us. All the qualifications we ever had are in Christ, but he's qualified us and made us qualified to walk in that light. Put us in the light of his son who came out. That's what makes us the children of light. In Ephesians 5 and verse 8, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5, we're children of the light. We're children of the day. We're not children of the night um, in terms of God being absent from us. And we're not the children of the darkness any longer. Thank God for that. But I just, this point, this one point that God was just showing me again, as, as the, and again too, we, we don't, we don't know sin the way we should, us, those that are in Christ, we don't know sin the way that we should outside of being in his presence that doesn't mean i can sin in his presence in romans 6 1 and 15 and in romans 3 and verse 8 god forbids that we should sin that grace may abound and of course it has to be grace it has to be unmerited for his love to flow through because there's no created being that ever deserved anything because they didn't have a beginning but in his love and that's all of us and that's why again it says that light, that light that Christ is, that we we are not, we are now the children of that light, and that when we function in that light, when we choose that light, 
to experience the position and truth of that light, we experience the depth of his love. And of course, even when we fail, God forbid, his love never fails. At 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8, and I am so thankful this morning that in Job 36 and verse 7, he never removes his eye from those that he's made righteous and the son of his love. In 1 Corinthians 1.30. The other thing, the other thought that I had and have been thinking is every single thing has change but him. He said in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord your God. I change not. And no wonder it says in Proverbs 24, verse 21, not to meddle with them that are given to change. Or in other words, those that get mixed up, intertwined, and, and exchange Christ for something else. But he and, and we and, and I don't want to do that myself. But but when I do, when I do, it doesn't change his love for me. It doesn't. We've said in First John 5, verse 18, when it says the wicked one touches us not. Yes, he could touch Job's body. He could take away everything. And God, God, God did allow that. Again, God was not the cause or the source of the evil. He allowed it. But one thing, one thing that the enemy could not do to Job, he could not, he could not touch his eternal life. That's what First John five eighteen, and that eternal life, that 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 eternal life in First John five eleven, is Christ. He is our eternal life, and nothing can change that once we're positioned in Him. In in John six thirty seven and thirty nine, and in John ten twenty eight and twenty nine, no one can tear us out of His hand. Nobody. And that's why. When we fall, when we fall, oh, rejoice not against me, oh, my enemy, in Micah 7, verse 8. Rejoice, don't rejoice against me, because when I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. And when I fall, in Deuteronomy 33, and verse 27, underneath are these eternal arms, and he himself, his love, that is so waiting to be gracious. In Isaiah 30 and verse 18, he is underneath the bottom of our bottom. And as I was as I was driving to where I needed to be this morning, I was thinking of that beautiful Hebrew word, H-A-S-H-A-Q. It's hashak. And that word hashak there in the Hebrew means that God loves us with a love that will never let us go. And that's why it says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nobody like him. Those are my thoughts this, this morning. There's no one like him. You know, everything around us, every single thing around us in this world system is change. Change in the sense that everything that's not of him not of God, not of Christ, not of the Holy Spirit, not of that triune God, is on its way to be dealt with and gone forever in First John 2 and verse 17. And we see it clearly again in its finality 
even after the thousand year millennial reign in Revelations chapter 26 through 15. And then we enter into, and this is a glorious place, and we enter into the fixedness of eternity. The fixedness of eternity is Revelations 22 and verse 11. He that is pure and holy, he will still be that way. That's what love, God is love, and that's what he's accomplished by allowing his son, choosing his son to come out as that light, that light. And I love it because there'll, there'll be there's coming a time here in Revelations 21, and I believe verse 23 in, in the eternity. There'll be no need of the light of the, of the sun, of the moon, or the stars, but Christ himself, the Lamb of God, will be our light. And then we will enter into, uh, we will enter into a love relationship, not only positionally, but experientially. When we see him face to face in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, he's going to share with us and, and we're going to have an exchange life in Revelations 2 and verse 17. We're going to, he's, we're going to feast forever on the hidden man. And you see the hidden man, it was what love had accomplished in us in time. We take that. The only thing we take of this changing world system is Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's accomplished in us with the love of God and propitiation and substitution and, recon and reconciliation. Every single thing about this world system, everything in this material world system is going to return to the dust. And But thank God whatsoever God does whatsoever he does he does forever in Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14 and you can see that you can see that is how he was teaching Solomon how he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verses 2 and 3 vanity vanity all is vanity empty empty everything is empty without him Everything is empty without him. But thank God he has filled us up with the fullness of his love in Christ Jesus this morning. And what a privilege that is. You see, he is, he is irreplaceable. He truly is for all those that are his, for all those that he's owned. And thank God that he owns us. That's a beautiful thing. He owns us in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. It was love that bought us. It was love. And thank God we're not owned by ourselves. What would it be if we were? It would be constant change. It would be a constant up and down. It would be a constant continual struggle. But thank God that through all of this, that he's the Lord our God. And he does not change, meaning he will never change his eternal mind about his love for us because of who Christ is and what he's accomplished and how Christ so desires in us experientially in Colossians 3 and verse 16. That's why it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That word dwell is oikidomio and it means let 
Jesus Christ find a home in you so that he can rest. He's resting in his love for you. And so he wants you, by allowing that word, by allowing that word to dwell in you, by allowing that word to dwell in you, for you and I to rest in that love. Because the only place that we can rest in, the only place that we rest in now while we're on our way, passing through as strangers and pilgrims in this world system, this passing scene, again, in 1 Peter 2.11 and 1 John 2 and verse 17, we are on our way. Thank God. We are on our way to a love life exchange that nothing ever again will disturb or distract us from receiving that love. And we're going to know it for all eternity. Just, I'm just thinking about it. We're going to grow in his personal love for us in Ephesians 3 and verse 19. That's what Revelations 2 and verse 17 declares. I'm going to give you, you're going to feast on the hidden manna. And I'm going to give you a white stone. And on that stone, that stone is going to be inscribed a name, a nature. It had to do between Christ and that particular individual, each of us. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. Yes, the body of Christ is one, but they are made up with members in particular. Very particular. You see, God has been with us. He has been very particular in the way that he has designed us to fit his love and his light and his son in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And there is none like him. There's none like him. And as some of those posts uh, that God that God gave all of us through His Word, through His Word, and all we are is His pens. Hopefully, we'll continue to be in His hands, so He can write on us that truth and use us to 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 pass it on, just to pass it on about what his son is, who his son is, and what he's accomplished. But we're going to feast on that, that hidden manna, where it says in Isaiah 45 and verse 3, the Lord said, I'm going to give you the treasures of darkness. That even, and God forbid that, that I should fail and sit in darkness, but the treasure, his treasure is going to lead me out. It's going to light it up, the path, so that we can get back on that path in Proverbs 4 and verse 18. Get right back on that path that's lit up with the son of his love and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know how close we are. How close we are to seeing him face to face. And what a what a thought that is. And thank God that there's no fear in love. There's never any fear in love. And thank God in our own individuality. And the way that he's made us in each of us in our own unique, particular design. That we can be when we function in him. And when we choose to receive that truth, we can be that, speak the truth and love to each other always. In Ephesians 4 verse 15, and then we become a joint. Because we're joined together in Colossians 2 2. We can be a joint in Ephesians 4 verse 16 that gives us a supply. And uh, we can be supplies to each other when the other's down. 
And that's why it says in Ecclesiastes 4 and, and verse 9, two are better than one. Two are better than one. Why? And because a threefold cord, that's Christ between them. It won't, won't be broken. It won't be broken. And then finally, he wants us to set that love, that, that love life, that light. Set it as a seal upon our arms, meaning no matter what we do, we're led by his love. And that's in Solomon 8, verse 6, because in verse 7, it says, many waters, the enemy coming in, many waters, many, many waters, many waters cannot drown out his love. And in Isaiah 59 and verse 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, then the Lord lifts up a standard against him and the enemy flees. And thank you, Lord, this morning for the preciousness of your love for us. And in each one of us, each and every single one of us, our precious Savior, we are owned by him. Nothing, nothing replaces him. And there's nothing, there's nothing of any value outside of, of who Jesus Christ is and what he's accomplished as the full definition, manifestation, and revelation that we will grow in for all eternity and our own individuality. And what a tremendous and beautiful thing that is. And we're so thankful, Lord. Just thank you so much. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if anyone has.